Hi, this is Tony, the host of the Flix X-Ray podcast. Each week, I am joined by guests. Hello. Yo. Why, hello there. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hello. And we have a roundtable discussion where we dig deep and x-ray a bunch of our favorite films and some really terrible ones, too. We really like to go back and take a look at films that may be forgotten, maybe in the past, and still lovable films. If you want, you can follow us on all the major platforms, iTunes, Google, Stitcher. If you want to find out more, you can find us online at www.flixxray.com. And you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram if you want to reach out to us. Good night, Internet. When you see your favorite show for the first time and then find out it was from the 90s, it just sticks with you forever and ever and ever. And that's what happened in 90s November. Even though I had seen Pete and Pete, I never truly realized that I have seen Pete and Pete. It's in the basket, the writer's bagel basket. Yes, it was very exciting. Tomorrow we go to the zoo. I love you! That's all I needed to hear. I'm so excited! I'm so excited! We don't have to be mean. Because remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I am Scott Kurland, and 90s November continues with another musical podcast, or half of a musical podcast, joining me to talk about another music-based-themed episode. Lil's Martin! Hi. <laughs> My favy. I, try, I tried to come up with a bit to uh, open that, and it just didn't, didn't click at all. It's okay. It's all right. Um, it's not actually okay. Well, that was actually all about you. I've watched Pete and Pete many times before. I grew up with it. Lils has never seen Pete and Pete. That is correct. When I was growing up, my parents adamantly refused to get my brother and I cable. So Nick, 90s Nickelodeon completely passed me by. Never saw Pete and Pete or Doug or Rugrats or any of that Salute sort of stuff. your shorts. Wild nope. and crazy kids with Cuba Gooden Jr.'s hey. brother. <laughs> I'm not yep. kidding. I, I, no, I, I believe you. And, but my point is, like, I completely missed the boat on all that, so I don't really have nostalgia for it. You missed I, the boat on all that? Uh, yes, I, I, that too. I missed the boat on all that. <laughs> um, Keenan and Kel speaking fake French did not did not happen. Just Keenan. Kel did uh, a coach who basically was Red Fox. Ah, Okay. So I, I will say I do have a weird tenuous connection to Pete and Pete even before I've even seen an episode because my band Surprise Party on the regular covers their song Lil, Hey Sandy by Polaris. Can you band on my podcast, please? I'm, I'm just I'm trying to stick to the topic at hand. No, no. I, I, I just, why do you always do this? You come on here and you promote something here. Look, I, I'm trying I'm trying to stick to the subject. If I have a story, I'm going to talk no, about it. No, why, why, why do you always you're, have you're, to do? You're, hector, you're, hector, you're hectoring me. Stop okay. hectoring me. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
seventh every, time. <laughs> everything is fine. Nothing is amiss. What is that? Nine time we've done that. People are going to think we're in like <laughs> an abusive <laughs> friendship. <laughs> Lils, tell them you fell down some stairs. Y- yeah, he the thing he said. <laughs> Everything's fine. I'm just blinking violently. <laughs> laugh, everyone, laugh. <laughs> So we watched Hard Days Pete, which is from season one. I thought this was like later in the series, like towards the end of the run. I had no idea that this was like seventh it's like or eighth episode the of season the season finale, I think, or something like that, right? No, they no? mislabeled it on that oh, okay. link I sent you. I literally just read that on Wikipedia, so I guess they're wrong. Yeah, they're wrong. <laughs> so why don't we do the TV Guide rule, aka the John Curlin rule? where you give a quick synopsis of what it would say in TV Guide. You can do it as Peter Tork if you've listened to the Jukebox Heroes episode with the monkeys. Do, do you want like a synopsis of the episode or just the whole show in general? No, of the episode, of the Pete and Pete episode. Um, the synopsis want. of the episode, I would say, is uh, the little Pete discovers a song, and then in an effort to try not to lose the song from his head, he forms a band to just play it nonstop. But he still doesn't know the, the right. lyrics to the song. Right. So, And the series synopsis I will give is, everything is weird and awkward and no one minds. This is true. Like, This is like if David Lynch directed a Nickelodeon TV show. Like, the thing that actually ran through my head is like, this is like a combination of David Lynch, but not disturbing, and Jared Hess, but not disgustingly cutesy. If Jared Hess was good. Yeah. Like, oh, what did he just do? Did Is he still doing things? He produced something. Oh, he... Uh, the he, last thing that I had heard he done... He produces Righteous he, Gemstones. For, oh, okay. that's actually really good, so... Yeah. So, okay, so fair play to that. So basically, it's like a PG like, version of like a Danny McBride TV show. Because the last thing that I had heard that he did before that, the only thing that I'd heard he'd done is he directed a couple episodes of the Aquabat Super Show. When yeah, that was on TV. That's still... that. How recent was that? That was, like, years ago. It's not on TV anymore. Okay. Like, I think it ended in, like, 2014 or something like that. Okay. All right. Um, 2016, he made that Mastermind movie with, oh, with Jason okay. Sudeikis. And, okay. And Zach Galifianakis. Um, yeah, our, that tracks. Or Jack Galifianakis, as he says. So, this series is amazing i loved this show and it still holds up it's still weird and great and as someone who's never seen it before did you like it i mean i only saw one episode once but like i was it was it was very charming i will say that much that much to be sure also i mean i think i would need to watch more episodes to say that i definitively like it but it definitely feels like, it has a lot more charm and character than, like... Because I've gone back and tried to watch other, like, teen Nick sitcoms from that era at people's suggestions, and they are just terrible. You're like, fuck you, dude! <laughs> Why are you making me do this? Lils, This you... guy's named Donkey Lips and no one minds! <laughs> Lils, you tied yourself to the chair. You played the VHS tape. You're doing this to yourself. <laughs> Do you want to hear the guest list of all the guest stars who have ever been on the show? Oh, I wish you would. Steve Buscemi. Mm-hmm. He plays... You didn't get to see Ellen. Ellen is Big Pete's 
love interest, who is his best friend. Ellen was not in this episode. I no, she it. was not. LL Cool J. He's their mailman. <laughs> Sid Straw, who you saw. Right. I, Sid fucking Straw is in this series. Yeah, that's a 90s trivia point if I've ever heard it. Hey, we need someone who can play the bass and can sing, so let's get Sid Straw. Hello, Pete. Wow, I can't believe I got through. My name is Miss Fingerwood. I'm your math teacher. And I just called to let you know that if you're late for my class again, the odds of your passing will increase to a 450 to 1 ratio. (laughs) Chris Elliott, Michael Stipe. Mm Mm-hmm. Kate Pearson from the B-52s. Iggy Pop was on an episode at some point, right? He was on many episodes. He played Michelle Trachtenberg's dad. Ah. And he goes, you stooges. (laughs) Gordon Gano. From Violent Femmes. Yeah. Oh, boy. John McLaughlin from the McLaughlin crew. What? Debbie Harry. Marshall Crenshaw, who you saw in this episode. He was the uh, electricity meter guy. Yep. Janine Garofalo. Cool. Richard Edson, who was in um, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Trust me, I'm a professional. <laughs> that guy. Uh, Patty Hearst. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam West is the principal of the school and Pete's arch nemesis. This is all getting very ridiculous it's in, gonna get in an weirder. incredibly amazing way. Selma Blair. David Johansson of the New York Dolls. Oh, boy. And Ms. B.B. Newworth. <laughs> Lilith Crane. So I only just realized, like, it only just struck me that, like you said... And Gloria Estefan, sorry. It, it only just struck me now that you said Patty Hearst, and I completely, like, it took me this long to realize, what, Patty Hearst? What? The hostage? <laughs> yeah. Then she got her life back, and she became an actress. That's like having John Wayne Bobbitt on an episode. <laughs> I mean, it's like one of those timeline bullet points that just, just so connected to like hey like, look here comes nancy kerrigan oh no tanya's right behind you run exactly it's just like that it's like hello mailman baby jessica <laughs> remember that right? watch out for the well but i understand what you mean <laughs> i understand what you mean of having someone who is like very of the time yeah it's like having like oj simpson show up hey guys want to go for a ride in my dodge (laughs) exactly as the football coach oh uh ford bronco i'm sorry not a dodge (laughs) my apology to the dodge company (laughs) yeah exactly it's like having juice show up as the football coach hey juice what are you doing here hey little pete this is the local accountant mr wayne bobbitt um yeah, I have nothing to say. Um, oh, God, Lorena, no! <laughs> so This went to a weird place. It truly did, but the show is very weird. It is a very weird show. That it is. But it's so charming, too. Yeah. Like, it like should it revels in its weirdness. Because like I said, it's a show where everything's weird and awkward, but no one, not only does no one care, no one minds. Yeah, also, when it opens up, when he goes, uh, when Big Pete, who is the narrator of the series, which, uh, that's, that's fucking weird. Like, how he's like Rod Serling it. <laughs> because he's also in the episode, too. And he doesn't really do anything in this episode, except narrate it. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
And he's the exposition the one, fairy. The one action he does do is also inconsequential as well. I'll give you five bucks. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is very Lynchian. It's very David Lynch. It's like David Lynch makes a Nickelodeon show, as we said. Right, pretty much. And Because it's weird. Like All these weird indie directors or or experimental directors ended up directing kids' shows, so it wouldn't surprise me if David Lynch... Directed an episode. Joe Dante did Erie, Indiana. Really? Joe Dante created Erie, Indiana. I mean, I don't know if this counts as a kid's show, but from what I understand, there was a time when David Lynch was directing a very short-lived TV show on like British television called Rabbits. Uh-huh. And it's like sort of a very, you know, sort of family sitcom sort of dynamic, but everyone is just in rabbit costumes, and there's no explanation for it. Oh, Hi! So, uh, Mr. Bunny Dad, uh, you and Mrs. Bunny Dad, shouldn't she be Bunny Mommy? Um, no. I wanted to call the show Lagomorths. No one would have gotten that. I gotta go direct a Nickelodeon kids TV show. Even the music on this sounded like a David Lynch, the whole ding, 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 yeah. ding, ding. Yeah. This next part should sound like the 1950s. Is it because it's in the 1950s? No. What would give you that idea? Ding, 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 ding. More Roy Orbison. More, I say. <laughs> Only in the lonely. I guarantee if Roy Orbison hadn't died, he would have been in that show, too. Rabbits or Twin Peaks? Tw- no, Pete and Pete. Oh, Pete and Pete? Oh, it's our great-grandpa, Roy. It's Mr. Orbison, the uh, food Ta- truck guy. <laughs> The town CPA. He has the falafel truck. No, he'd be like the town manager. Or oh, yeah. the town the comp- mayor. Tr- the comptroller. The comptroller. Oh, man. Comptroller Orbison. I'm so tired of being lonely. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Orbison. I didn't get the forms to you in time. That's all right. Why do you talk like that? I don't know. Can you please call me Papa Wilbury? <laughs> My brothers are coming. Lefty and Lucky and... Uh, traveling Wilbury jokes. Everyone gets those. Yes, everyone loves the Traveling Wilburys, which surprisingly is one of my favorite bands. I do love the Traveling Wilburys. Yeah, they're good. Here, let's take every... That that leads us back to Pete and Pete, but let's take everyone's favorite like member of a band and put them together, and then the band that Pete forms, the Blowholes, is comprised of um, Sid Straw, Marshall Crenshaw, and then the fat kid from Heavyweights. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say real quick, um, the math teacher that Sid Straw portrays, does she ever show up in the series again? Oh yeah, all the time. Oh. Miss Fingerwood? She has some kind of deep-seated mental issue because she talks exclusively in numerical terms like a serial killer would (laughs) i mean maybe heart plus soul equals rock and roll i mean i've only seen just the one episode but i don't know she does that all the time oh then she's she's fucked mentally oh yeah she she needs to go on medication for sure how about when she sings a love song with a little boy (laughs) i look in your eyes i see a The stars can't compare with the glow of your hair And the beauty I feel when you're holding me 
Well, yeah, that's another that's another bucket of syrup entirely. Yeah, she sings a love song with Pete, but we'll get there because the entire premise of this episode is Pete hears the band who did all the music for the show Polaris, which yeah. Mark Mulcahy, I I love Polaris. I love Mark Mulcahy. I love everything they do, but the song that they play is called Summer Baby, and it's about masturbating. <laughs> and they had to clean it up a little bit. But I am, the, I'm so glad that slipped the censors by. They kind of changed it a little bit because um, they changed it to everything I guess, every mess I make. It's every every bit of sex, every mess I make. It's about having a summer love and she goes away, so you just whack it to her image. <laughs> That's in a children's show for children. This is this is an only tangentially related anecdote, but um, like another song that my band Surprise Party regularly covers is Soda Jerk by uh, Buffalo Tom, which I believe was used on My So-Called Life. And yeah. like it took us several weeks of practicing it before like... Uh, like our guitarist who was singing it, Robbie, just abruptly stopped and just went, oh, this is about masturbating. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know why I made him sound like a bit like David Lynch there. <laughs> the oh! song's about masturbation. Do you know what Did you know that? No, but did you know what other song, David, is about masturbation? I do not know, David. Tell me. I touch myself by the divinals. Wow. They sort of buried the lead with that one. I love myself. I want you to love David. <laughs> but yeah, to have a children's show, Polaris was a very progressive band. The songs were very innocent and sweet that they wrote for the show, but then very I freewheeling. And then all of a sudden, Summer Baby is the song that becomes Pete's favorite song. I think they were just kind of banking on the idea that like no one would look this up. They would just assume this is an original song specifically for the show. But for the soundtrack, they released the original version ah, okay. onto the, the regular soundtrack. Mark Mulcahy was like, he's like part of another band too that's like slightly more revered than Polaris. I'm spacing on like the name of him though. I have no idea. I just, I love him. And I love the little wink he gives Pete when, like, so Pete is late for school. He ends up going on a shortcut and stumbles across Polaris. Uh, you're, you're skipping over a major po plot point there. He's late for school because he has a radio station yes. that he operates in his garage. You, you mean WK? W-A-R-T. Wart Radio. Yep. Who, do you know who does the, the jingle for it? Uh, who does the jingle? W-A-R-T. You can hear it. It's Kay Pearson, and uh, um, it's not Debbie Harry. Who's who's the other the blonde the blonde chick from the B fifty two? Cindy Wilson. It's Cindy Wilson. It's it's two of the B fifty twos. There are an awful lot of adults like entertaining this one child's weird like underpinnings. Pete Wrigley, rested. <laughs> There's a little boy going down the road in, on his bicycle. In, in retrospect, you know what I kind of realize? Like what? what he was doing is technically early podcasting. Oh yeah, that's exactly what he was doing. He was he was totally setting the blueprint for mean, every for every white person's favorite hobby. Using his industrial satellite for a five mile radius and his Krebstar walkie talkie. <laughs> Krebstar makes everything. 
I would never buy anything. Yeah, there, crap store. there are so many. Now that I've seen an episode, there are so many things there that I didn't realize, like are references to Pete and Pete. Because, like, there's the Krebstar thing, which I've seen, like, other people just, like, referencing, and I did not realize until, like, actually looking up Pete and Pete stuff, because, like, there's a band that's a, to tie it back into my band Surprise Party regularly plays with called Inspector 34. Oh, that's yeah. Marshall Crenshaw's character. Oh, well, there we go, then. That ties back into the episode. Oh, no, Inspector 34 is Bill Irwin. Oh, okay. Um, He's the, the meter inspector is Marshall Crenshaw. Bill Irwin is Inspector 34, and that entire episode, that even gets weirder. I'm going to have to do an entire episode oh, about boy. that. But also, uh, Mud and Chops comes back in that one, too. So uh, Pete becomes obsessed with this song about whacking it. <laughs> <laughs> this what? song that he finds on his way to school by taking a shortcut and then ultimately never gets to school, does yeah. he? Oh, back on um, Wart Radio, his scab talk show, Marshall Crenshaw, that was not a scab. That was a tattoo. Yeah, that did not look like a scab in the slightest. Also, when I first saw the episode, um, rewatching it again, I didn't realize it was Marshall Crenshaw. I at first thought that it was Joel Hodgson. That, that would be really cool. Hey, hey, hey man, <laughs> can, can I see the meter, man? I got this cool scab. It looks like a dump truck. Would you like me to play lead, lead <laughs> guitar, dude? It would be super good. Want to hang out with my robot friends? We're going to watch Manos, The Hands of Fate. I built this guitar myself. It's also a toothbrush. <laughs> Have you ever heard... Um, Is that appropriate, Mads? <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, sorry. Have you ever heard his uh, our Dana Gould story about how when they were writing the original Mystery Science Theater 3000 in Minnesota, they went to, oh, what band? It was either the old 97s or it was a very famous band who, at the time, all these hipsters were just, like 90s hipsters were just going. And him and Dana Gould were just rocking out and playing air guitar. And all these people were just scurrying all of these girls, and he goes, oh, man, we're losing chicks. And Joel goes, make your neck bigger, man. (laughs) But, so, the band they create is called The Blowholes. Mm -hmm. And it's only so that Pete can remember a song. The the hubris on this kid, that, that people just humor him, I think it's because Pete might be that kid from Twilight Zone that that like that can just like make he, things happen with his mind. Yeah, I mean and he, send people to the cornfield. Well, if you think about it in the opening monologue from Big Pete uh when he does he just never cared enough to find one he could call his own. But as he was about to find out, sometimes you don't find a favorite song. Sometimes it finds you. The close up they do of little Pete is kind of jarring. It's very dark, and he looks incredibly sinister. I don't mean to, like, take this to an even darker place, <laughs> but, like, I thinking about it now, I would assume it's either that or he just has a terminal disease and no one wants to tell him. <laughs> and they're just going out of their way to make his life as magical and amazing as possible before he carks it. So that's what happens after season three? Yeah. <laughs> he just... He just dies. 
<laughs> Maybe that's why they haven't put it out on DVD. It, that's probably why uh, they named both kids Pete. Well, our backup Okay, kid. we lost one. All right, you're in, Pinch Pete. But I'm older. <laughs> I said, you're in. <laughs> I just Now go to elementary school. But I'm already enrolled in high school. Elementary school. I just, I love the relationship that they have because when he gets his Kreb, Krebstar, I forgot the name of the, the guitar, but it was like a Krebstar, like Fender 3000. And he goes, yeah. So he showed me what he could do with feedback. And he's like, any Audi. <laughs> If, yeah, if, and he, he just immediately knows how to play guitar immediately upon getting it, too, which is because TV logic. Also, because Danny Tamborelli knows how to play the guitar, and he, ah, okay. I, I'm guessing he's like, come on, let me play guitar. His uh, his band actually played at Uncharted before they closed. Oh, like, really? Last year, I think. God damn, I would have loved to see Danny Tamborelli. Mm. I forget hey, the name. Hey, Danny. Ay, ay, ay. No, not Polaris. I no, I know. Own, yeah. But... That's how I would say hi to him. <laughs> hey, Danny. <laughs> also, they didn't really go into it in this episode. You briefly see it, but he is an eight-year-old boy with a tattoo. Oh, yeah, Petunia. that's right. So Pete, why does, Pete why does an eight-year-old have a tattoo? Um, His parents, well, first off, his mom has a metal plate in her fucking head. Well, I'm sure there's a reason for that. People get plates in their head because of horrible, like, you know, brain injuries and stuff like right, that. Right, but I think the joke that they do for her is so she can pick up radio signals. <laughs> and the dad, he has no idea what he's doing. He's the world's worst father. Yeah, he's he's kind of a pushover. Yeah, like, if he had a group of friends, it'd be like him and Michael Jackson's dad. <laughs> he really doesn't want to get sent to the cornfield. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the the scene when they're talking about. Uh, he, actually, thinking about it now, he kind of reminds me of like uh, Gideon's dad on Gravity Falls. Oh. I'm just flashing back to that scene. Where it was just like Gideon, are you making noise in there? I can bite sell you. Okay, <laughs> just want to make sure you're safe, sweetheart. Just be in bed by eight. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Pete's dad in the scene when they're they're on the radio show. He's like, so you drink coffee because you don't like the taste. Uh, yeah, anyways, you need to stop playing your music because the electric bill, this is such a 90s trope, is the electric bill is too high. And that's like also like, oh, we need a bake sale so that we can get the monkeys to perform at our school dance. <laughs> Was that a 90s trope? Or, I mean, just the whole sort of like, we need to raise money for this thing. Kind of thing like the electric that. bill thing was a huge '90s trope. What what other shows did that? Um, I think so. I know for a fact that smart guy, the dad, was always worried about the electric bill being too high. Um, Steve, uh, Carl Winslow, like when Steve was moved in and was making all of these gadgets and shit, he's like, "You built a death ray, Steve. <laughs> Damn you, Steve! My gas bill is through the roof." And then he turns Carl into a sandwich or something. Something like that. So, yeah, like, like it, it, that's just such a 90s thing to worry about. Instead, now no one, cares about the, no one cares about the electric bill because everyone's dying. Yes, everything is regulated and we're all dying. So I, I also wanted to know your opinion. Artie, the strongest man in the world, how, seeing Toby Hughes. <laughs> right. Is that how he pronounced it? Hughes? I, I think it's Hughes. Huss? I Huss? thought it was Huss. 
I don't know. I guess like Cotton Hill. Cotton Hill, right? Well, I thought that you would be like, oh my god, what is he doing? <laughs> Do you understand Artie, the strongest man in the world? I mean, I saw that nostalgia critic episode where like he talked about Pete and Pete first, so okay, that didn't completely throw me off, but. I still don't get his whole deal. So he's Pete's best friend, and he, it's not friend, like friends he, with an adult man. That's who thinks kinda, he's a superhero, kind of troublesome. And he's not an imaginary friend, and he just lives in their house. Yeah, he and he dress he dresses like I bet it's a five year old. I bet I bet he's like banging the mom because <laughs> clearly the father is not a is not a big. Buck. I would sooner believe it's the mom banging him more than anything. <laughs> like Coach What are we doing, little Viking? Like Coach Steve in that one big mouth episode. <laughs> Is that where the daddy train goes in? <laughs> thank you, I'm sorry, thank you, I'm sorry, thank you, I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so um Artie Apparently gave the sex talk to Pete, too, because he's like, we need to have a little talk. And he's like, don't worry. Artie and I already had that talk. And the mom's like, Aah! oh, she he, that that kid's going to be fucked up for life because there's no way Artie knows the sex talk. You see, little Viking, when you like someone very much, you give them a smooch on the cheek. And that's how babies are born. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> also, that is how Babby is formed. <laughs> Babby. <laughs> that's how girl get pregnant. <laughs> So let's let's dive deep into the actual band. I I do think it's hilarious that just feedback just is his is kryptonite his, is his uh, is his reset button. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Regardless of like how far he is from guitar feedback. Also, when he randomly just shows up and goes, "I know how to play this Hawaiian song," and he doesn't play anything. He just dances, and then like surf rock happens. <laughs> so I guess he does legit have powers. He can just. He can just invoke surf rock from nothing. You like a Thurman? <laughs> yeah, so Marshall Crenshaw, it, I forgot his nickname, but Sid Straw's name is Cooter. Oh, that's unfortunate. Elaine Cooter Fingerwood. Kids show. Oh, they, they knew. They had to know. Of course they knew. <laughs> Cooter. <laughs> Oh, boy. On bass guitar, her head may be filled with numbers, but her veins throb with gasoline. She's Elma Cooter Fingerwood. I, I have nothing else to say about that. It's hard, it's hard for me to, like, think of the word Cooter without laughing, be, just because, like, uh, there's this Let's Play show on YouTube called Game Grumps. Okay. And in one episode, they were playing, like, a Super Nintendo game. No, wait, it was a Nintendo game. And it started malfunctioning, so one of the hosts, Aaron, just goes to fix it. And once it finally does get fixed, you can hear him in the background celebrating. And like he just, and like at one point, he just shouts, "Magic Mike Finger's going all up in your cooter!" <laughs> Jesus Christ! To describe fixing a Nintendo. Oh my God! Uh, His voice doesn't crack like mine did, though. I I don't want to live on this planet anymore. But yeah, I'm um, making this episode very hard to broadcast, aren't I? It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I don't. I never got around to giving you that uh, blurb, did I? What? Seven thirty. Pete and Pete. Music happens. Everyone gets horny. <laughs> yes. 
music happens. Every- <laughs> Miss es- Fingerwood. Especially the guy who wanted the surf rock song. Yeah. Like he just started. Fingerwood? Dan- he just started. Plus, dan- <laughs> Fingerwood plus meter man means bone town. He just started, he just started shaking it to that beach song and he was just like, oh, he fucking. <laughs> I have no idea who played that guy, but he was disgusting is he like a regular character in the show or because he seems like the character that would just be like oh he's he shows up to ruin everyone's fun i i just assume that from like because during the radio show at one point like uh Artie just is like another dude he has hemorrhoids and then it just cuts to him just like oh they got me <laughs> yeah um i have been slain yeah he never really shows up. I think he he ends up being replaced by James Reb, or Rebhorn, or Rebhorn, um, the guy who was uh, the Secretary of State in uh, Independence Day. Uh-huh. That guy. So he, um, yeah, that guy never goes anywhere. He doesn't do anything. Oh, he just okay. shows up in this one episode. So he, he's just an asshole in a vacuum. Right, pretty much. And I love how he's, when he's dancing, he's just, it looks like he's having a seizure. He's like, (laughs) brain melting. I mean, that kind of tracks for that character. Like, just going by tropes, the guy who does show up to ruin everyone's fun would just dance like a complete, total ridiculous. Like a douchebag, because he's a douchebag. Also, I've never had fun before. When when they're playing the songs, so some of the, the songs are made up, like Marmalade Dream. Oh, most of the songs are made up. But then they, they do Ted Nugent. Yeah, don't don't play Ted Nugent. And Freebird. And it was just and I that was a little kid requesting Wango Tango by Ted Nugent. <laughs> I bet that that's like when every song by Ted Nugent is about jailbait. I bet that kid was like Ted Nugent's son. He's like, <laughs> Hey, did you request it? <laughs> Yeah, do I have to go longbow hunting? Yep. We're going to kill some baby deer. I don't want to kill baby deer, Dad. Well, you're going to do it and you're going to lock it. No son of mine's gay. Get your bow. How does me not want... Never mind, Dad. I'm just going to wait for Uncle ZZ Top to show up. (laughs) Uncle ZZ. Not one of the members of ZZ Top, but Uncle ZZ Top. Without all three of them, it's not his uncle. <laughs> it's not Uncle Billy Gibbons. Not Uncle Dusty Hill. <laughs> not Uncle Frank Beard. <laughs> no. We should not know all three members of ZZ Top. This is upsetting. <laughs> it was kind of funny, though, like, because, like, at one point, there's a part, there's, like, a scene where... Like, there's a montage of Pete just pouring over random stuff to try to find the song in question. Right. And it shows some charts, and, like, if you pause it, you can kind of sort of make out, like, the names of the songs and bands. And I have no idea what was real or fake, but there were some real also-ran stuff on that list. I didn't, I didn't read it. <laughs> what did it say? Um... I'm losing it now, but I, I saw like there was like some gin blossoms. There was like some something. Well, that's because Marshall Crenshaw wrote for the gin blossoms. Oh, okay. And there were like bands called like Diane, Diane. There was one called Micmac. I have no idea what was real or fake, but the <laughs> ones that like they were either fake or just like sad. 
The Gin Blossoms you, was probably from Marshall Crenshaw. Because you just know all those ones that aren't clearly real, like the Gin Blossoms, and I think uh, there was like Violent Femmes on at one po- on the list at yeah. one point. But all those other also ran ones, if they are real, they're probably still touring, except now they're just playing like uh, Applebee's. <laughs> well, so... Because they host bands, apparently. Really? No. Oh, okay. That was fake. No, because Applebee's, I know for like... I believe I think it was like Gordon Gano or or someone who isn't really famous anymore started just playing at like an Applebee's, <laughs> like without even being requested to, without permission. No, I think he asked if he could perform, and they're like, "Yeah, sure, why not? That's, want some chicken that's, poppers?" That's one chill ass Applebee's. <laughs> I remember there was actually a news story from like a couple of years back. There was like a Wendy's was going to be closing down in a couple of days. So, like, a bunch of, like, local musicians just asked, like, if we pay you, like, you know, like, we got, like, a thousand bucks pulled together. Can we just use that? Can we just use your space since you're closing anyway to host a show? And they were just like, okay, fuck it. And there was a hardcore. You want some Baconators? (laughs) And there was just a hardcore show hosted in a Wendy's. You want a Baconator? Want some potatoes? (laughs) Sour cream and chive? Could you please buy approximately 200,000 chilies so we can stay open? (laughs) we promise only a third of them will have fingers (laughs) yeah so um i love when pete the whole premise is so that Pete can remember the song and then he just gives up on remember the song and then he gets pissed like it's like they forget what the whole premise is because when they're doing the whole paying for the dad's electric bill and they're taking song requests the first one is uh, Big Pete, who doesn't do jack shit in this episode, he's just like, "Hey, can you play marmalade, marmalade cream?" And uh, he's like, "I'll give you five bucks." And then they're like, "the the the pricing doesn't make sense because Pete on air says five bucks a song," and then they're like, "I'll give you thirty bucks. I'll give you seventy dollars." Maybe, g- maybe that pushes them like higher up the queue. Yeah, I bet the dad. Okay, so the dad says the most douchiest thing. He's like, oh, I should have told him it was $1,000. You <laughs> fucking asshole. You're about to like crush your son's dreams. <laughs> then like right near the end of it, he just completely, you know, just undermines his own sort of rules by just being the last person to pledge $100. Oh, pledge $100? Now, I want you and your Why teacher to... Why not just to- say, okay, I'll take $600 instead of $700? Because he's a bad dad. He lets... This, that is true. He lets this young boy take his shirt off in front of his teacher and play the electric guitar. <laughs> that is true. I, I love when the band's about to break up and she's like, I guess I'll see you on Monday. We're doing fractions. <laughs> Why does she, like, sometimes she has, like, a southern accent and the other time she just sounds like Sid Straw. Yeah, and she can't really distract, like, I feel like they can't really describe like decide whether the character is like you know a cool teacher or like a stern school marmy she's teacher so repressed or is ne- it or is it just like she's off the clock now she gets to be cool bass playing teacher i have no idea but you know that she's like probably so repressed that oh she, for sure she's super horny that goes into the whole mental issues thing we were talking about i bet she's like she comes home at night after grading a bunch of papers, just takes out the leather boots and the whip, and she's got, like, <laughs> she's like a dom. <laughs> lick my boots. Your tongue plus my leather equals boot licking time. 
She's into knife play, but she uses a protractor. <laughs> what I want you to do is, while we're making love... Oh, don't say making love. This finger was, okay, well, we're bumping uglies. I want you to say parabola. <laughs> oh, you're a tool fan? No! No. Why would you think that? A parabola is part of math. <laughs> parabola. It's that weird half circle thing. Call me Archimedes, damn it. Can't I just call you master? I said Archimedes. <laughs> what I love the most is having sex next to an abacus. <laughs> the safe word is Eureka. <laughs> eureka? Like Kansas? No. So, um, the one thing they never address is, why didn't they just, from the beginning, just go to the garage where the band was and practice there? Yeah, that's where that's where he had his big epiphany. And that's where the, so- the show ends. Also, what if there was no band <laughs> and he was just crazy? The, the one thing that went through my mind is when he returns back, I'm like, these are musicians. They're probably in there doing drugs. <laughs> like... When he's like pressing his nose, knocking, being like, nobody knows, nobody knows. Yeah, I was kind of waiting for the band to show up again at some point, and they just never do. They don't. <laughs> I, I, mean, I just love does, Mark does Mulcahy. Does anyone live at that house, or is it just an abandoned I like really... squatter? Or m- maybe the band was squatting there. Yeah. Oh, oh, and man, then the I... landlord came by and finally figured them out, and they had to skip town. Well, it's your fault for leaving the electricity on. Nobody knows. Nobody. The knows. electricity bills through the roof. I feel like the one person who should have said something about the electricity going up was the meter man. Yeah, because he looks at the thing and he just goes, "Hmm, okay, all right." He really, he really wanted to play lead guitar, I guess. Also, I had no idea that Marshall Crenshaw could get his voice that loud, and. They could have dubbed Pete because his, Danny Tamborelli's singing voice is really bad. Well, I mean, he was a kid. I don't think he was a trained singer. I mean, he's probably still not a very trained singer now, but... Yeah. Also, as a drummer, were you offended by the boy playing not the drums? <laughs> I've pretty much come to accept that anytime there's a fictional depiction <laughs> of drummers, they're not actually doing anything. Yeah, but he was literally like... He- like, one of the absolute worst instances of that I've ever seen was it like at the end of Mall Rats when, like... Jason Lee's girlfriend. Oh, character. when Shannon Doherty is playing the drums? Yeah, when Shannon Doherty is clearly not playing the drums at all. He was doing something similar to that. Yeah. I mean that's pretty much yeah, that was pretty much in the same boat. I love the cliches. I, I like I like that he just like played a snare drum at the end and then somehow every single drum like was generated from that snare drum. It's like I I want one of those. <laughs> also, um I could save on so I could save so much space if I just had a snare drum that did everything. What he was saying, too, like, my daddy was a rattlesnake and my mom was a six shooter or something like that. So your mom killed your dad? Yeah, not according to the police report. Wink. (laughs) They never found the body. Oops. (laughs) Aren't you glad that we got that pig and we starved him for five days and then chopped up dad? Oh, no, (laughs) I'm giving away way too much information. It's okay, Lou. The statute of limitations has ended. Really? Nope. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a cop anymore. <laughs> Are you trying to get your mom arrested, kid? Maybe. Because then I get to be alone <laughs> with my thoughts. And my snare drum. My magic snare drum. 
so yeah, this episode is very cute and it's super 90s too. Like the product placement for real, not real products is so 90s. And the gin blossoms. Yes, and Marshall Crenshaw. (laughs) Marshall Crenshaw was not in the gin blossoms, right? He just wrote for them. I do not remember. Because I know... Because I, I know next to nothing about the Gin Blossoms. He, he ha- He's a producer and a songwriter, but he made most of his money for writing uh, Till I Hear It From You for the Gin Blossoms. Hmm. And I also think he wrote um, Hey Jealousy. Right, right. That's literally all I know of the Gin Blossoms is Hey Jealousy. He wrote that and he wrote Till I Hear It From You for the Empire Records soundtrack. Bring it back to two episodes ago. Ooh, synergy. And... Um, I did I ever tell you the story how I got into a fight with a girl over the gin blossoms? <laughs> what? And it was the weirdest thing. Go on. Well, I do love the gin blossoms. I I do. I think they're a great '90s band. They're super '90s. They're not a good band. They're not. But if you like '90s shit, they're great. So I got into a fight with this girl because she's like, "Yeah, the Goo Goo Dolls sing that song." Hey, jealousy. I'm like, "No, it's the gin blossoms." And she's like, "No." It's the Goo Goo Dolls. And I was like, lady, it's the Gin Blossoms. And she's like, no, it's the Goo Goo Dolls. And I have the Gin Blossom CD in my hand. And it says track one, Hey Jealousy. Maybe you printed that up before you came over here. That's what she said. Oh, God. This is the most inconsequentially hilarious fight ever. And it gets funnier because we were in a Newberry Comics. <laughs> and there were like four copies. And then the Gin Blossoms walked in. Hey, guys. Did hey, you guys. Th- our van broke down. The Gin Blossoms? <laughs> we have names, you know. Not in this instance. Hey, did you guys write that song, Hey, Jealousy? Yeah. That's one of our biggest hits. No. I don't believe that. It's the Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, you might be right. And then, it. and then, like John Resnick just walked in. Hey, hey, my car broke down too, and I don't want my car to start doo doo. <laughs> Mister Resnick, did you write "Hey Jealousy"? Nope. What's that? Can you eat it? Okay, bye. I'm gonna go do an incredibly bad duet with Fred Durst. I thought you said your car was broken down. I'll figure it Wait, out. Wait, he did a duet with Fred Durst? He and Fred Durst did a cover of uh, some doors. They, they did a cover of People Are Strange. Oh, god damn it. It was bad. I, it was exactly as bad as it sounds. I used to like Johnny Resnick, and now I don't. <laughs> just because of that. Did I just ruin Johnny Resnick for you? You did. And I felt bad for him after Treasure Planet failed. Oh, boy. Um... So yeah, this episode is is light and breezy. Yep. Is there anything else that you take away from it? Um, no, I think we pretty much covered all of it. Is there anything... Can I explain a few episodes of Pete and Pete? Uh, yeah, sure, go for it. So there's an episode where little Pete fakes sick and he uh, ends up getting a piece of cereal stuck up his nose and... They're called Pops, and they're basically sugar. Um, it's a sugar-based cereal that's in the shape of different presidents. <laughs> what? 
Yeah, and it's basically. Do they, are they? Do they actually look like? Do we actually get to see the cereal at any point? Yeah, he has. I think he gets Taft stuck up his nose, or it might be Dwight so, D. Eisenhower. What What I'm getting at is, are they actually legit shaped like presidents, or yeah. is it just like, yes. oh, this this misshapen lump is Kennedy, this one is Fillmore? No, they're they're shaped like presidents. <laughs> hey. Th- this one is Kennedy, and this one the head is smashed in. I feel- That's Kennedy after <laughs> Texas. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that company cares about cereal way more than every other major cereal company. Because like I doubt they would do something like, oh, the Captain Crunch valve is closed. The Captain Crunch valve <laughs> is broken. Well, let's just do the berries one. Oops, all berries. <laughs> Oops, all presidents. <laughs> Uh, we got too mu- We made too much. We made too much Frosted Flakes. Put it in the Lucky Charms. <laughs> That's a legit thing. Yeah, I know. And I hate that. I know. I hate that it exists. It sounds disgusting. It's. Like, I don't know how they can still I'm make not, that, but they I'm get not, rid of. I'm the- not sure why they're making. I'm not sure why the Kellogg cereal is working with the General Mills cereal, but apparently they are in this universe I've created. It's weird. Also, they got rid of the the greatest cereal of all time, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cereal. I had never tried that cereal. It was basically Crispix covered in sugar, and it had marshmallows in it. <laughs> and that's how little Scott, as a young boy, got <laughs> diabetes. Can I, I don't know if this is like a hot take or not, but uh, cereal marshmallows kind of suck, I feel like. Eh. I'm, I was so used to it as I, a kid that... Like, I don't think I was even into them as a kid because they always just got stuck in your teeth and they were just so such a pain in the ass to deal with. I didn't mind. I didn't care because they always, you know, well, I sure, always felt you... like they melted too fast. So, like, I really never noticed. Mm, that Yeah, that's true. Um, also, there's another episode where Ellen um, drives all of the teachers crazy. because Ellen, she... Ellen is Big Pete's uh, girlfriend, right? Yeah. There's two Ellen episodes where it's Ellen-centric. One where she starts dating Papercut, um, who is, aren't, is it Open Face? The Those villain, are both terrible nicknames for children. Papercut is because he makes weapons out of paper and gives people paper cuts. And then Open Face is a kid who only eats Open Face sandwiches. The episode with Papercut was the one Linkin Park was watching and went, ooh. <laughs> so Ellen ends up dating one of them and that makes Pete jealous. And then the other one is you find out her dad is, is the is the principal and he's played by Steve Buscemi and she drives all I, these I thought the principal was uh Adam West. That's of the middle school. Uh, okay. Of the high school, it's Steve Buscemi. Of the middle school. What a colorful town. So so she keeps asking why and it drives the teachers crazy. And 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 that's basically the entire episode. So, oh no, wait! I just thought of, I just remembered something else that we need to touch on. And okay, maybe this makes more sense to people who actually watch Pete and Pete. But there was that one sort of love ballad that Sid Straw's character plays at one point and sings with Pete. Yeah, and then just a guy with an ice with a soft serve ice cream for oh, a head just pops up. That's Mr. Tasty. Oh, that's also he's Toby. Ter- he's terrifying. He's. He was the ice cream man who went missing. I hate him. He was the ice cream man who went missing, and he is played also by Toby Huss. Good. I hope he stays missing, because I hate him unconditionally. And he gets replaced by Michael Stipe, who plays Mister uh, uh, Captain Sludge Bar, and basically... Does he have a hideous ice cream head, too? No, he wears a sailor suit. Go- 
Still, still better than the creepy Uncanny Valley ice cream head man. I feel like like Michael Stipe just showed up dressed in a sailor suit, and they're like, "Good enough. We don't want to know what weird how, sex club you came from." That's just how Mike's doing today. I'm wearing this sailor's cap. <laughs> Are you feeling the sailor's cap, Mike? The sailor's cap stays. Good enough. And I'm not. A, it's not a sailor's cap. It's a captain's hat. I'm a captain. It's a naval cap. I'm a captain. You, you will address me as Captain Stipe. <laughs> so yeah, I like that Captain Stipe. Also, that episode has uh, Kate Pearson in it, and she was Mr. Tasty's lover. <laughs> you are not making this sound any better at all. That Mr. Tasty man already looks like he like conjured himself from out of Five Nights at Freddy, and now he's got a groupie too. I think it, I hate him. I cannot express enough how much I hate him. I think, yeah. Uh, what does Kate Pearson should? We were in love, and then he ran away. <laughs> yeah. So, as a show, as a whole, what did you think? Like, would you watch it again? I'd consider watching it again. I don't know if it's something that I'd actively seek out, but like if I was invited to do another episode, then you know, I would Mr. Be- Tasty episode it is. <laughs> no! <laughs> not that one. That's what you get for making Fuck. me listen to the monkeys. Fuck. <laughs> My petard, I've been hoisted upon it. <laughs> so yeah, um I'd be eager to watch it again if there was an excuse to, but it's not something that I'd like actively be seeking out. I kinda wanna I'm, I'm sure that would be a lot different if I had grown up with it though. I want you to I kinda want you to watch the Steve Buscemi one. Can you so you can just see how weird it is? <laughs> um but there's also the one where Ellen falls in love with with the bad guy because the bad guys are so weird. They have the weirdest names. So yeah, um, bagels. How many are left in your bagel basket? How many bagels? I am going to say uh, I am going to say there are eleven bagels left. Damn, son. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like I said, there was a lot that was like just really charming about it. That kind of offset all the weirdness of it and yeah it's just like if it was it was pretty good it was it didn't you know unnerve me and unsettle me and turn me off it yeah i give this a 12 i think this series is actually i'm gonna say actually i'm gonna say both of those vagals were for mr tasty okay yeah i'm giving this 12 i think this was a great show for kids and also the innuendo that goes over their heads is just i'm watching it again as an adult i'm like jesus christ I think that this is just um, an amazing series. I find it funny as hell, and it's just so weird. Also, it gave us Danny Jamborelli, so whatever. So, yeah. And, like, was Toby Huss doing stuff before Pete and Pete? Kind of not really. Because this seems like, like, if he hadn't been doing stuff before, this kind of was probably, like, his first really big sort of role. Yeah, he ended up I getting mean, voiceover. I think he sure left he, Pete and Pete to do King of the Hill because yeah, of I'm, this. I'm sure he was getting, like, some voiceover sort of stuff because all voice actors start somewhere on, like, the bottom rung of a totem pole but or something like that. this show filmed in New Jersey, like, nowhere near a television studio. Ah. Because, like, all of the people that got, like, lived in New York. Yeah, or California. Yeah, but I, I still can't believe they got David Johansson. Hey, kids, what's going on? <laughs> so, yeah, um, if you love hearing Lil's, she's going to be back in 
award season. <laughs> so in a few weeks, be on the lookout for uh, Snubs and Shrugs month, where unfortunately I gave you a stinky suppository of a film. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, this is, this is not very good. So until next time, thank you for being here, Lils. Do you want to promote? For, do you want to promote Jukebox Zeros? Uh, yeah, go check out Jukebox Zeros wherever podcasts are found. Uh, I thought you were gonna say sold. <laughs> Yeah, wherever podcasts are sold, go to your local Whole Foods, go to your your podcast monger, and request the latest catch. Good morning, Mr. Podcastersburg. (laughs) Morning there. What's in the trap today? Ooh, I got a big one for you. This this person works at Whole Foods. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you for clearing that up. Anything else going on? Uh, right now, not really. Just go check out, check out Jukebox Zeros. <laughs> uh, oh, no, no, wait. I do have something. Okay. Um, on, uh, the Zero Science Network, the little collective I'm a part of, there is a podcast called Discography Deep Dive, where we basically just, over the course of several episodes, just tell the whole story of, like, a band's discography. The current season, uh, my friend Christopher Brown is doing one on Radiohead. That's about to end. I will be doing season two talking about one of my favorite bands, Sparks. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that'll be a lot of fun. Be on the lookout for that. Um, and that's on the Zero Science Network? Yep. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, CompuServe. <laughs> <laughs> um, email <That's> a- us, <laughs> writers... <laughs> CompUSA, all the different computer stores. Yes, uh, wherever podcasts are sold. They yeah, sell, that Blockbuster ex- Video. They sell them exclusively at Whole Foods, Blockbuster Video, and CompUSA. Um, but or yeah, as me you, and my brother used to call it Compusa. <laughs> so you can also email us. Um, we have been getting a few emails. Uh, I will read them later. Uh, that's W-R-T-R, uh, W-R-I-T-E-R. S B A G E L B A S K E T at gmail.com. I hope you read those emails in a Casey Kasem voice. And he writes. <laughs> so until next time, I'm Scott Curland. Thanks for being here, Lils. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. Lils and Patrick are two local musicians from the New England area whose minimal accomplishments have left them thoroughly unqualified to judge bands and artists who have been more successful than they ever could be. And yet, their passion for bad music persists on Jukebox Zeros, the podcast that takes a retrospective look at the worst albums of all time. From The Shags to Attila, from Cyberpunk to Scream, if there's a band that has an album they're ashamed of, Lils and Patrick will be there. Share their love on Jukebox Zeros, now on the Zero Science Network, and wherever podcasts may be found found. They are posing as movies you already know. They may be in your theaters, your neighbor's home, or even your own. Why are you doing that voice? I don't know. (laughs) I thought it made me sound cool.
It doesn't. I'm Jason Bishop, host of the Invasion of the Remake podcast with co-host Sam Stepanenko and Trish Coughlin. Join us each week as we rotate talking about your favorite films and their not-so-favorite remakes. We'll also dig deep to find forgotten films that we think are more worthy of remaking, complete with our own fantasy casting. You can get all 130 episodes and counting on... Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, and all the best podcast providers, even freaking YouTube. For the low, low price of absolutely nothing, join the invasion. Subscribe today. Or we'll blow up your planet. Hey, everybody. This is Kelly Reynolds, and I'm the host of Boobies and Newbies, the podcast that asks novice romance readers to think outside the dick in a box. Join me for a new episode every Friday as we review romance novels with non-romance readers. From the sweet, loving, fairy tale romances of the Highlands. Who cares uh, about up against the wall by the fruit trees? <laughs> yes. Like, where's the dragon? Uh, inside the belly of a dragon. To the naughty erotic threesomes with navy seals. Sex was a 10. I mean, you cannot get any better than this book. Come okay, on, you guys. Good. Really. We read it all. Check us out at Boobies Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Listen to previous episodes on any podcast streaming platform. You can also support Boobies and Newbies on Patreon.com for lots of bonus booby content and early episode releases.